All right, this is the Nick Ann Podcast. This is episode six. I'm here with J.P. Ramirez, drone photographer, photographer, astrophotographer, straight out of San Diego. Beast of a dude, beast work. He is one of my favorite people I look up to on social media, just in general as an artist. He posts some of the best work that I've seen. Uh, I tried to meet up with him once, but it didn't work out. So I know in the future we're going to meet up for sure. J.P., it's great to have you on here, man. Thank you, man. It's great to be here. Excited for this uh, chat we're about to have. So normally when I c- converse with podcast guests, the first question I usually ask them is, what's your background? How'd you get to this point right here? Okay. Uh, shoot. So where do I start? Um, I mean, photography hasn't been something that has been in my life for too long. Uh, you know, I originally come from the east coast it was more of a you lift up your iphone you take a photo and do the best that you can with it never thought about lightroom never thought about editing all that none of that was in play back then um it wasn't until i want to say the pandemic hit when i really started to focus more on photography i had a camera for a while there um, but never really used it too much. Um, and then the pandemic came in and I honed in on it and really just started watching a bunch of YouTube videos, uh, learning here and there, you know, what are white balances, what the exposures are, all those good things. And then it kind of just took off from there and, uh, you know, still have a lot to learn, a long way to go, but you know, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at now and, and just continuing to learn from my peers and, See where else we go from here. JP, we had a similar coming of age moment to photography because I was doing photography, I mean, before the pandemic for probably about three years, photography video, Uh but I didn't truly hone in until the pandemic. I was going to mountains because that was the only thing open at the time. So that's when I decided, I was like, well, let's give this a try. Yeah, you know that that pandemic, as as tragic as it was, with how you know how many lives were lost, it it really was an eye opener for a lot of people. Um, you know, a lot of people found their their callings, their hobbies, new things to do, and it forced a lot of people out of their comfort zone to go do things that they really aren't used to doing. And now here we are, two years later, three years later, actually, you know, those people that started doing something new are are pros at it, or just never never can look back to what their life was like before and be like, what what am I doing? So it's so pretty cool. You work a remote job. Yes. Would you ever consider doing photography full time or videography full time? Or are you okay with doing the weekend warrior life slash PTO, all that? Dude, I I go back and forth between that all the time. Um, I, for the longest time, I always tell told myself I am not going to allow this hobby of mine to turn into a professional career because then stress will get added and I will quickly lose interest into it. Right. Uh, but slowly but surely, I started taking in, you know, more family photos, engagement photos here and there not overbearing myself or anything like that, but like, you know, just, just here and there. And then I was like, okay, I'm making a little bit of money here. Let's see what else I can do. So this past October, I took on my first wedding. What? Uh, 
yeah. To say that I'm going to do another wedding anytime soon, it's 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 a big no. You know, I'm not. <laughs> it's those wedding photographers. Let me tell you, they are they have skin thick as steel. Like I kid you not. I and mind you, I went to a wed- I did a wedding uh, session for like a mutual friend. It was a friend of mine. Like you know, they hired me. They paid me my full rate, and. Even even though I knew everybody around me, it was still stressful. So I was in a I was supposedly in a comfortable area, but still felt so out of my comfort zone. Uh that's not to say maybe maybe sometime down the road I will take on, but it was it was very much out of what I'm used to doing. Um and as of most recently I did a collaboration with a van company. Um, and they gave me a travel van for 10 days as long as I returned back uh, videos and photos for them so they can use on their platform or whatever they have. So I just completed that, which was my most recent trip. So this was kind of eye-opening where it's like, okay, you know, these companies are willing to work. As of right now, I'm getting free stuff, but maybe I can push a little further down the line and start making money off of it. Uh, So... Is it possible that I would, you know, make it full time? Sure. But anytime soon, like within the next year or two, probably not. I'm kind of still enjoying it. You know, this is still the honeymoon stage for me and photography. So I'm, 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 you know, I'm enjoying every minute of it. I I appreciate your candor there and honesty and seeing your consciousness of knowing that you don't want to rush headfirst into this is amazing. I think a lot of people should hear that first before they think about trying to dive in full-time. I'm a prime example of that. I've dived in full-time. I'm 23 years old, running my own business, and there's certain times where I wish that I would have held on to my job list a little bit longer. Uh But at the same time, I feel like I never would have made that big jump and, until I quit my job at the same time. So there's both there's both sides of it. And honestly, like I don't I don't think it's a bad thing to keep your hobby as a hobby. Because like you said, once you add that stress in, you start to lose interest because you're like, yo, this is just supposed to be my fun time hanging out with homies, taking cool photos enjoying the beach, enjoying the desert, enjoying the mountains, all that stuff. So I'm really glad that you're aware of those circumstances. Yeah. And I think a lot more people should hear that. Yeah, and, and you know, like you said, like you're 23, jumped into this, and the only way that, the only reason you jumped into it or saw the opportunity was because you left your job. That is also something that I strongly believe in because unless you put yourself into a very uncomfortable situation, you'll never see the doors that can open for you. You know, we we as a whole, especially as photographers um, or small business owners, like when we stay stagnant in a comfortable area, we never see the opportunities around us because we're closed in and we're comfortable where we are. It's not until you open that door that you get to see what else is out there and all the opportunities that could come from it. 
So while I do, you know, myself am taking it slow and not jumping into anything, I don't want people to think that that's also the route to take, you know, taking a leap of faith is, is can be beneficial, but it is a risk. It's, it's not, you know, a hundred percent bulletproof. It's not gonna, it's not gonna work every time, but you learn from it. And from those lessons you grow. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's awesome. There's a guy I know, he, uh, works a nine to five and he also runs a business on the side. He's making oh, wow. about the same amount of money in his business and his job, it's nine to five, but his reasoning for keeping the nine to five is that he likes having that comfortability of being able to fund his business, yeah. but also not work entirely as hard at it at the same time and be able to enjoy that time with the family still. Not that you can't and, do that if you're running a business by your business just by itself, but having that nine to five is that stability part. I mean, to me, that side's ideal. You know, you, you have your side business where you're making just as much as your full-time job, but you know, you still have that full-time job to somewhat to, in, in a way to still keep you like, give you a reality check. It's like, Hey, <laughs> like, you know what? Like you're having a great time over there doing your side gig, but you know, here's the real world. So, I mean, I, and I get it. And that, that would be ideal. And hopefully one day, you know, I can get to that or who knows, you know, I might be on the front cover of Nat Geo. <laughs> I'll love to see that day, JP. Oh, uh, that'd be, that'd be awesome. So you think that's what everyone's fighting for. Yeah, everyone's fighting for that, man. (laughs) So you mentioned to me that you served in the military. Did that Mm -hmm. in any way influence you as a photographer today? Not at all, man. I, you know, looking back on that time, it's, it's like, it's just a time that I don't even quite recall or remember. Like, I remember moments. I remember uh, things that I've seen, things that I've done. But like it's, I I think the the most influence that I, or the the thing that I got out of being in the military the most is just keeping my life together. <laughs> like I mean, it teaches it teaches you a lot of life lessons. Um, but I wouldn't say photography was anywhere on my mind or near when I was in the military. Uh, I don't honestly, I don't even remember what kind of phone I had when I was in the military. <laughs> I, I should, that would be the only way I would have taken photos. And I mean, I think everyone was on iPhone seven and I still had the, the iPhone three G. Like, I don't, I really don't remember. Like it's it, yeah, it didn't play a role. It did it. Um, photography didn't come into my life until much later. So you saying that though, it taught you life lessons, probably taught you how to endure and mm-hmm. Going into this creative field, you do have to learn to endure a bit because yeah. it's unstable. And Correct. Create. Go ahead. It, it definitely teaches you. So in the military, it definitely pushes your boundaries, and it definitely shows you what you can endure as a human being. Um, going through mili- the military basically shows you that you can tackle anything in life that gets thrown at you because you get put into some crazy scenarios and situations and there's 
there's been moments in my life now where I'm like, okay, this is stressful. Wow, what am I going to do? But then I think back, and I'm like, wait, like my body can endure more. My mind can endure more. Like I'm, I'm only as strong as my weakest link at this point, you know? So I got it. I can keep moving forward. Um, so it's, it's one of those things and it's just, you, you, you learn, you know what your body can endure and you just have to remember that, that if you hit a hard place, you can take more. And even for those that don't serve, your body can take more because we can all take more than what we actually think we can. It's just that fear of not knowing. And I'm sure you go through it with hiking, you know, yeah. you know, you're going up those slopes and you're like, Oh, it's getting higher. Oh, I don't want to do this. But you get to that mountaintop and you realize, yeah. Oh crap, I did it. Mm -hmm. There you go. That's proof that your body can endure more than what you initially thought. JP, thank you for your service. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. I, I oh, want to talk you. to you about San Diego. You live in one of the most beautiful places in the entire world, hands down. Uh, yeah. As, sure. some, as someone who photographs a lot of the same spots myself, I go to the mountains a lot, to the same national parks, same national forests. Yeah. I was just curious if you ever get tired of going to the same beaches and videoing and photographing the same beaches. How and how do you Absolutely. stay inspired? How do you stay inspired, man? Because you are consistent with those. Oh man, at you know a lot of the footage that you've seen that I've posted of the beaches. Like I'll start off with this. I think I've been to the beaches here in San Diego maybe a total of twenty times. That's it. I don't go often. What? Even though my even though when I post shows more, I would say about twenty times is the the amount of times that I've gone. I just get a lot of content when I do go. Um, I'm not a, I, as much as I, I, I enjoy this city and the beach towns and all that, this is, I'm more of a mountain guy. Like my dream is to have a cabin in Wyoming with my oh. closest neighbor being 10 miles away. Like, that's go. the dream. That's what I want. But so, but for now I'm here, I'm content, right? Nothing better than waking up and smelling the the salt of the sea, right? But uh, when I do go out there, I I do often get tired of seeing the same piers, uh, the same beaches, the same animals. But I try to switch it up each time, you know. Like whenever I go to La Jolla, I I try to find a new palm tree that I haven't flown around or taking a photo of. Um, you know, marine life is quite wild out here. So you can fly your drone over the water and maybe catch some dolphins, maybe catch some seals or the the leopard sharks. Why? You know, oh, like dude, you can you so can capture busy. a bunch of stuff, right? So I I just hold on to that. And then weather wise, on living on the coast, I mean, you can wake up early in the morning and get the clouds coming in from the ocean and hitting La Jolla, and you're you're above the clouds, which is neat. Um, you can get beautiful sunny day, some sunsets. We got the trains. I mean, there's just so many things that you can get on the coast. Now, with that being said, when I do get tired of it, I do tend to disappear into the desert or into the mountains like you do. Um, and I, I try to go as often as I can. And I think I've probably spent more time up in the Eastern Sierras than I have at my local beaches. Wow. Um, 
I, I, it's just the mountains are a different thing to me. I mean, growing up on the East Coast, we don't have these, we don't have these glaciers. Like we, we don't, um, you know, it's all city out there. So coming out here to California, seeing the vast difference of landscapes, it, it really just makes me want to keep going out there. Now, on top of that, I have, you know, fellow photographers and fellow droners that go out there and shoot content and I see their work and I'm like, oh, well, that's a heck of a reel or that's a dope photo. So let me, let me try to go out there and see what I can find. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's, I, I use a lot of my motivation and my, uh, well, sorry, a lot of my motivation comes from the people I follow. You know, I, there's days where I'm like, I don't want to go on and shoot. Then I'm scrolling through IG and I see people post different things. And I'm like, oh, all right, time to plan my next trip. Here we go. And I'm back at it. So you're right about going to the same places. I agree because going to the same places can be creative, cha creatively challenging, uninspiring. But at the same time, that could be where you make that growth from being an average photographer to an above average photographer because you video, you photographed that different palm tree from a different perspective. Correct. And, and, and that's also true. I mean, you, you have to challenge yourself in different ways and going to the same spot, I don't know, 10 times in a row and trying to come out with a new photo each time is such a great way to really push yourself to the limit. Like one thing that I did when I got, uh, one this lens here, so I got the thirty-five mil one point four so G creamy. Master. When I got this lens for the first three months, I only packed that in my camera, and I did not take any other lens with me, and I shot with that only. And let me tell you, the amount of times that I missed shots, like I was pissed. I was like, oh. Like if I had my seventy to two hundred with me right now, that yeah. would be such a clean shot. Or oh, yeah. if I had the two to six hundred, oh my god, I can get that bird. Like, yeah, literally. But I focused on the thirty-five mil. I to the point where I was tired of it. But then all of a sudden, it just opened this whole avenue for me. I was like, okay, I can shoot pretty much anything at thirty-five to a point where I was shooting Astro with the thirty-five, which to a lot of people is, is a little crazy because 35 is not that wide. Right. But a lot of the photos that you see involving Astro are shot on that 35 mil. Because you said, what was the, ap the aperture on that again, the f-stop? So oh, the, a... the f-stop is 1.4. Oh, it gets, it gets pretty good then. Yeah, oh, it's it's a beauty for, for, for Astro, as long as you, you're back hard. But I do have also this one for Astro, which is the 21.8. Ooh. And this is as crispy and clear as you can get. So I've been falling in love with this one a little more. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, challenging yourself like that is it can it can get you know you might get pissed off at yourself and be like oh I'm not going to get anything or I can't get anything, but you just got to push through it and find a photo that you like. Don't leave until you get a shot that you like from the same spot. Perfectly said. We recently talked about this over over DM. You went to Death Valley just recently, and we're talking about how we had been there a couple times, and we didn't think that 
it was probably worth going back to, but then you came back with these bangers, may I say. Bangers, I repeat. <laughs> Appreciate it. And you even I, said it. There was did, some spots that I saw on a different perspective. And it, I mean, yeah. So I went to Death Valley for the first time a couple of years ago. And I was like, you know what? Death Valley is awesome. It's a beautiful park. But I think it's a one and done kind of park. I uh, like, and, and that, that was just that my, my point of view of it. Um, cause I kind of give Joshua tree the same, the same thing. It's a one and done right. part for me. Right. But then I found myself going again and I went the second time and I'm like, what am I doing here? <laughs> How did I end up back at death Valley? But okay. So I, I, you know, artist palette. Awesome. The, what's it called? The salt flats. Great. Uh, you know, the, the sand dunes. Awesome. Zabriskie. Like the first time I went to Zabriskie, I was like, yo, this is dope. Got the sunrise shots. I'm done. Found myself going there a third time. But the third time really wasn't photo. I was just, you know, checking it out. It's like, that. Will, that's when I was like, I'm never coming back here again. Like, three times is enough. Like, stop this. And then this trip happened, and I went again. And I went, I went with a couple other photographers who shared the same thoughts as I did. They're like, yeah, you know, Death Valley really is cool for maybe a quick drive by, but not nothing else. Like one and done, that's it. But Zabriskie Point that morning was absolutely insane. I mean, like I've been there so many. I've been there for like that would have been the fourth time there. But having someone, we had uh, one of my friends with us, and we gave her a walkie-talkie and sent her down to just walk. We just told her to walk, like, just walk and we'll follow you. We'll call you on the walkie talkie and guide you and tell you exactly what we want you to do. So we had her walking up and down these hills, up inside, up and down the side of the mountains, everything. And that's where those clips came from. But getting all those angles, it's, it's insane. Like you really cannot get a bad shot at Zimbrisky Point. You can't. Uh, there's, there's nothing bad about it. There's nothing ugly about it. Like you can just shoot from the top shoot from the bottom shoot from the side hang off the side of the cliff if you want to you'll still get a good shot you know so yeah i mean it's it's definitely one of those spots for me that i keep telling myself i'm not going to go back but somehow i end up there again you know going to death valley i've been twice but in the second time i did the same thing as you exploring the canyons more right there by the Zabriskie Point and using that sense of scale. I mean, that just made it so much more interesting. I have seen a photo from a San Diego photographer. Her name is something, I think it's something Amber. And yeah. she she photographed Zabriskie Point. Someone climbed Zabriskie Point, like the actual point. It's called, I forgot what it's called. Yeah. What's the name for it? And she... Okay. The person went all the way to the top of it, and she got her telephoto out, zoomed all the way in. Guy looked like an ant. I am being for real, like straight ant, straight up ant. It's, it's insane. It's uh, it's insane. Like the first time I went there, there there was no one walking on those hills, so we were just at the top at the viewpoint, 
And we were just looking like, wow, that's cool. A bunch of little hills and a nice big mountain at the end that looks like a shark fin, right? That's pretty neat. It wasn't until the second time when I went and I actually got to see people walking in the canyons. I was like, all right, those are not little hills. Like, those things are massive. And even my friend that was walking around, she came back and she was exhausted. She's like, you yeah. guys made me walk so much. I am, like, my feet hurt. Like, <laughs> and she's a hiker. She's an avid hiker. Like, that's her thing. Yeah. And she's like, y'all really put me to work. I think she's so, going to bill me, though. I think she I think she, she thinks um, I'm her employer, so I'm probably going to get a big fat invoice for her. <laughs> so you do do some traveling and you do some photography for you is it about the traveling or about the photography or for you does it feel like kind of go together because i know you mentioned that being in the mountains is just a little bit different than being at the beach yeah i i think i will say that when it's the first time to a new location it's more about the travel Right, but then if I'm going there like a bunch of times, then it it's, it turns more into like a photography trip, and I'm more focused on getting different angles, getting different frames, um, you know, all those kind of things. So like at this point, if we're talking going to Alabama Hills or Mammoth, I'm I'm more focused on getting different shots. Uh, but if I'm if I'm going somewhere new, like I've never been to the PNW, so if I go up to the PNW, that's going to be a more travel heavy trip. Like I want to explore, I want to check things out. Sure, I'm going to have my camera with me, but you know, I'm going to check as much out as I can. And in if if I see something that I like, then yes, I'll pull the camera with a drone out to to get what I can. You would love the PNW, bro. It is oh insane. Dude, every it's time insane, I see the photos, man. I'm like, yeah, it looks it looks amazing. So you've been to our national, you've been to our forest here in the Sierra Nevada. Our forests are just a little bit dry, if I would say. Yeah. So going over there, exploring the PNW forests, bro, it's a whole new world of just seeing like actual lush. Green Dude, forest, yeah. moss. It looks amazing. It looks like something straight out of like where Yoda lives. I mean, it's it's insane. <laughs> yes, yes. So, drone life, man. Should people oh, get yeah. one? Should should someone Absolutely. get one? No question. I think we are in the time where these drones are so advanced. Like before, if we were talking, maybe I don't know. Eight years ago, when there was only like the first drone or the mini, the what's it called, the DJI Mini One, you know, I was like, oh, okay, maybe, probably not. But now with this, like, the Mini Pro Three, there's, there's, if you're looking to get into drone photography, the Mini Pro Three is your best bet, hands down. And there, there's no, I mean, besides the pricing, there's just no, shouldn't be an excuse of why you're holding back. I say full send because you may think something is beautiful. You may see something and walk by it, and at eye level, it doesn't look like much. But then you send that drone up and you get that bird's eye view. You're like, okay, it really changes your perspective. Um, especially people who live in the city or even those at the beach. Getting those top downs of the beaches, 
really just changes so much for you. Yeah, because when you go to the beach, at least for me, I can get a little bit bored. So then when I got my drone, I put it up above the beach. I was like, whoa, I kind of do like the beach. The beach is pretty cool. Like, I mean, there's so much you can get. Yeah, getting that perspective with the you drone You get the is... waves. You can get the surfers. I mean, you can get people just walking down the beach. Like, there's nothing cooler than droning someone while they're on their afternoon or evening run. Like, it's just follow them. I mean, it sounds creepy, but just follow them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, definitely, I would say those that are interested in getting a drone or it, get it. It's not complicated to fly one of those things. The The safety fe uh, features that they have really do help you fly. It's not like you're going to send it up and it's going to just go ballistic and crash. No, like it hovers. It has all these safety features turned on. It won't allow you to fly close to uh, trees, walls, anything. Um, so just I full send, please. So I've had... It. I've heard some people have opinions on drones mm -hmm. in terms of there being a lack of creativity mm. versus holding like a mirrorless camera, whatever camera you have in hand. Mm -hmm. And they say that it's cheating or just easy okay. to be a good drone photographer. But I'm, I don't agree with that. I think that putting the drone up, and taking photos, whether it's photos or videos, you, you treat it the same way as you're taking photos on the ground. It's just from a different angle. I don't know. I I don't I don't see it as a a cheat. Um, you know, you can say someone who that who is shooting with a Sony A7R4 is cheating compared to someone who is shooting with the a Sony A6000. You know, it. it 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 doesn't make sense to me that anyone would say that, um, you know, you're sending a device up into the air, you're honing in on the settings, you're setting up an angle shot that you need, you're framing it just the way you want it, and you're taking a photo. And then a video. I mean, I think a video takes flying an unmanned aircraft in the sky with other attributes, whether it's birds, it's wind, and all that, compared to someone taking a video on a tripod <laughs> on the ground, you know, I think it's a little more advanced when you're flying that drone around. Now, that, that's not to knock anybody that does that, but it's just, hey, come on. Don't, I, I just shouldn't knock anybody's uh, work or anything like that. It's, it's, you know, get with the times is what I say. Like, you know, I was, I was hard-headed when, uh, Instagram switched up from photos to reels, you know? I was like, I ain't doing reels. I'm not going to go down that path. Uh, but then I realized, you know what? It's growth. It it's I view it as growth because if it wasn't for reels, I wouldn't have cared to learn about Adobe Premiere or DaVinci Resolve. I wouldn't have cared to flip my camera setting from photo to record. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even be in touch the drone and record. I would have just taken photos the whole time. And we live in an era when where people care more about seeing a live photo than a still. You know, people want to see the behind the scenes. People want to see 
oh, the reveal shot, like you panning up and showing the lake, and then all of a sudden it shows the whole mountain range. People love that. Uh, so, yeah, no. Anyone that knocks the drone world or the drone community, you know, go ahead and jump back into that dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of that Instagram, are you okay with it not prioritizing photos anymore? Yeah, you know, it's it's been a battle. Now, and, and I think at first I wasn't because I was so focused on photography, but I've grown to love videography, whether it's from my camera or my drone, um, learning new things, learning transition, learning how to put text on videos, learning how to do speed ramps, all those things really come into play and it, it, it really pushed me further. Um, and I would even say that because I've done so much video work now, it's opened up how I shoot photos as well. Because now all of a sudden, you know, I'm looking at different angles of, for video, but while I'm looking for angles for videos, at the same time, I'm finding new perspectives for possible stills. Like I wouldn't have walked to this side of this waterfall if it wasn't because I wanted to take a video. But now looking at this angle, this actually looks cool for a photo. So before I start the video, I'll take the photo and then I'll do the video. So, I mean, it's, it really opens doors up. I 100% agree, man. Yeah, I, I just think where I, I know that there are still people out there that are upset that, that Instagram's not prioritizing uh, photos anymore. But, you know, it's it's one of those things. These These social media apps are not here for us to create a gallery. If we want a gallery, we create our own website. This website is for the people. It's for us. It's the consumer. Their the business. Consumer, yeah, the consumer is telling Instagram that they want videos. You know, if they want to blame anyone, blame TikTok, because TikTok did this to all of us. <laughs> That's amazing that you say that, because I know a lot of photographers were mad Darn. about the switch, but the fact that you just said that it's our fault, it's the consumer's it fault. 100%. Bam. Wow. So maybe it is an Instagram fault. Instagram, it, Instagram is just a business. It is. And, and you know, it. people tend to, like, I, people, people tend to forget that Instagram is a crazy algorithm. Might as well be an AI that can read what we do. So as you're scrolling through Instagram, let's say you're someone who hates the concept of reels and you're never going to make one. So you're scrolling through Instagram and you get photo, photo, photo. And then you see a reel, and you're like, oh, this is a cool reel, and you stop and watch it for more than five seconds, and then you scroll. Guess what? Instagram now thinks that you want to see more reels, so they'll start throwing more reels. Then all of a sudden, now you're watching reels, 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 and now you're a consumer of reels. So I don't, you know, for those that say I hate reels, unless your Instagram, unless I could grab your phone and scroll through your Instagram and get 10 straight photos i don't want to hear it i don't want to hear uh, it you're real you're drop real the mic already seriously you're a real enthusiast <laughs> drop the mic this is literally the best <laughs> stuff i've heard in a long time i haven't heard anyone say it better than that being serious it's it's honestly the truth and i mean i i do feel for photographers who don't want to do reels i do 
because they they've worked so hard and honed in on their right, skills. Right, you're right. Um, and it sucks, but you know what? If it's a business, and if you want to become a business as a photographer, you have to adapt to your surroundings. And if you plan to use Instagram as a way for people to see your work, then you have to adapt to what Instagram is going to be doing. Like, you know, if you have a restaurant and you move into a place that is changing with with the different kind of people that are coming in and and movement, you have to adapt. You have to adapt. If you if you came into a restaurant, you're like, you know what, I'm only going to sell cheeseburgers with no fries, then fine. But then when a new restaurant shows up that has cheeseburgers and fries and you start losing customers, what are you going to end up doing? You're going to end up switching up and you're going to end up making those fries and change it a little bit till you get customers back. And that's all, that's all part of the, the business plan. You're so right. If, you, if you're on Instagram, you want people to see your work, use Reels. And even if you just use a photo for a Reel. Go ahead. I, I've talked to so many people where they're like, oh, I just don't know how to create a Reel. I don't know where to start. You guys make these these reels that just seem so advanced, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, set up your camera on a tripod, point it in a direction, grab your cell phone, and do a before and after, or what my phone sees versus what my camera sees. That's it. People love that. They're like, or oh, a raw, that's so a raw cool. versus the edit. Raw versus the edit. I mean, and it, it's as simple as that. It's... Yes, do some of us make more intense videos? Sure. But in reality, that's not that's that's not what everyone's going to see. Like, you know, the amount of times that I've seen a cat blinking go viral. Like, it's like, what? This cat is just blinking and it has 3 million views? Are you kidding me? So, you know, it's it is what it is. Being a business owner, learning how to adapt, you're right, is crucial because if my outreach isn't hitting then that means they're not opening it so it's not interesting enough it's not engaging enough if they're opening it and they're still not responding that means i'm not provoking a reaction or action right so exactly as a business okay so how do i improve that you evolve but you know i also like I make this uh, similarity with this connection with every day with work. You know, you have that person that has been working at your job for 50 years. And for 50 years, they've been doing things one way. But then all of a sudden, there's a better, faster, easier way to do it. And that, that company wants to implement that. But that person that's been there for 50 years is going to be like, I don't want to. Well... If it's easy, better, and faster, why not? So to me, those that don't want to do reels are the 50-year-old employee that refuses to change as the company is getting bigger and demanding change. Gary Vee says that all the time, man. He says, oh, social, all the people saying social media sucks. We're evolving. We're evolving. You, That's you all it go, is. You're either going or you're not. That's it. Correct. Man, I uh, think that you collaborating with a lot of other people is inspiring to me because I don't do much of that. And at least I feel like that a lot of people over here don't really get together 
maybe it's just me and I reach out to people, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I just don't feel like a lot of photographers are meeting up over in my mountain area a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I think something that you could give advice to people listening to this is how do you make friends in, I guess, the creative space, whether creative space or some other space, how do you build that relationship with those people and start going out with them more often? Because, I mean, dude, you are always shooting with somebody. It's... So, I've noticed with Instagram, it it becomes like an ego war, you know? And people get afraid of rejection. People get afraid of being turned down or not knowing how to approach someone with, you know, more followers than them. Uh, when in reality, a lot of them are just like, I want people to shoot with. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you have 50 followers. I don't care if you have 100,000 followers. I just want people to shoot with. Um, so if you're looking to shoot with someone, or if you see a photographer in your area and you see them go out often, shoot your shot. Shoot your shot. Go into that DMs and be like, look, man, I like your work. I like what you're doing. I love, you know, I live in the same area. I'm, you know, if you're down, I would love to shoot with you sometime. That's it. But a lot of people don't care to send that message. And they'd be surprised on how many people are actually open uh, to do something like that. You know, uh, last year in August, I opened my, I, I did a story where I was like, hey, I want, to do like a Milky Way meetup. And I put it up on my stories just to see. And I, you know, expected seven, eight people to maybe reach out. And I created a group chat for it. And I had maybe 15 people in the group chat. I was like, hey, I'm down to go. Um, I set it all up and went out there. And I was on the day of, I got a final roll call. And there was like 18 people that were going to come out to meet wow. in Anza Borrego. Nick, I showed up and there was 32. No way. Yeah, it was 32 people that showed up to to do this. And it just shows how many, you know, people are looking for these kind of things. You know, and my meetup, there was no charge. There's nothing, it's really just a bunch of photographers getting together and doing what they all like to do collectively. And, you know, you say that not a lot of people go out there. Your situation is a little different because you are way up there, but also at the same time, you know, the amount of people that I've talked to that have never been to national parks, that have never visited, like, these cool spots that you and I always go to, blows my mind so what what i would say is if you're looking for people in your area to go hiking with or shoot put it up on your story and be like hey i'm going to this i want to do this location in a month or two months if you want to do this with me let me know bam and from there you'll get people reaching out like, hey, i'm interested whether they're coming from san francisco or San Diego, people will make the trip. Hmm. Um, you know the power. Yeah. The, 
Go ahead. The Go power ahead. that the power of collaboration is powerful. People have reached out to me to come shoot with me and mm-hmm. come come go with me. They're not as experienced, and I'm okay with that because it's someone to go shoot with. Right. And honestly, it was kind of cool because I was actually able to teach them about photography, video, yeah. my whole thought process. And so maybe you're you're in someone's shoes that you're smaller, and you reach out to this big creator. Dude, that's an opportunity for a mentorship student like hangout as well for sure and and something that i i like i said shoot your shot but also in in the terms of people wanting to learn don't be don't be afraid to eat uh dm one of these photographers and ask them for advice uh there are some bad apples out there i won't lie i've run into a few where you know i had questions about certain things and they read my message and they just leave me on red or some of them oh. are jerks and like like the message they literally heart it and never respond i'm like are you serious <laughs> you're gonna acknowledge that i asked you a question <laughs> but most of us most of us really are nice people like you know the community that that i'm in with all my friends it's they just want to see everyone excel they want everybody right. to do well they want every single post that we post to to blow up and go viral. I mean, right. that's that's literally all we do. And I've met so many creators that way. And a lot of people that I started off with, they're now in the hundreds and thousands of followers because of that. So it's it's really cool to, you know, to surround yourself and find that community and find find those people. And I think everyone can find the, those people for themselves. Um but with that being said, if there's any followers out there that are in Southern California and they ever want to shoot, go ahead and slide it to my DMs. Um, I have a lot of people that that are always looking for other people to shoot. And maybe I might not be able to make it, but I know other people that can. So there's this group in Utah. I don't know if you heard of them. They're called the Bushwhackers. No. Bushwhackers. No. I, I know it sounds funny, but there are a bunch of photographers, okay, in Salt Lake City, based out of, but I mean, anyone from Utah, anyone, anyone's invited, but most of them live in Salt Lake or in the Utah region, and they all go photograph the Red Rock National Parks, Ooh. or they go to Salt Lake, and their whole premise of this Instagram page, they have a website, they have a podcast now, is to bring creatives together. They host meetups. <laughs> They do photo trips, like they go out down to so, uh, Southern Utah and take photos with a bunch of people. And now they're starting this university on their website, like giving us like photography information like through YouTube. And I think it's a good thing what they're doing because like they said their main focus is to build community and someone's always available to shoot, which I think is cool because they said even if we can't go, our people within our community are shooting together at some point or another. Right. There's always somebody to hang out with and shoot with. And I think like, so what you're doing on there, building that community is a huge thing. And it's doing a lot of good for a lot of people. So for people collaborating that want to learn from people, that's beneficial to them. For guys who are no little more, it's beneficial to us because we're able to give back to these people after all the knowledge that we've been passed on from all the greats right. before us. Not saying we're like some 
crazy big people, but I mean, like, the people who were before us gave us knowledge. Yeah. We're giving back. Oh, for sure. I mean, and I remember when I first started, I, I, I was sliding into everyone's DMs and asking questions, you know, and trying to find people that are willing to help or willing to shoot. And it was a struggle because, like I said, there are bad apples out there. Um, not bad apples, just people that are not necessarily, you know, as giving. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, building a community and having people message me like, hey, man, I love your work, but I have a question. How did you create that halo with your drone? Or, hey, how did you do that long exposure shot? Or, hey, how did you get the perfect conditions for this shot or what were your settings for this shot you know it's those are the the kind of dms that i like to see because it's like okay it's it's nice that people are viewing my work as something that they would like to attempt and i'm more than happy to give them my setting stamp and say hey this is exactly the settings that i had try it out it's not bulletproof but hey you know mess around with it adjust things as needed so you do a lot of astro photography, light painting. Quite frankly, it's awesome. And I don't do any of that ever. I've done astro maybe a total of like three times. How did you Ooh. get, I know, how did you get into that type of photography? Oh, buddy. Uh, okay, so when the pandemic hit, like I said, I honed down and wanted to learn how to shoot with, like, learn the settings, learn everything. I decided that the first style of photography I wanted to learn was Astro. So I pretty did, pretty much did everything backwards. I learned the hardest style of photography first, the and hardest. then worked my way back. <laughs> I wouldn't say the hardest, no, but, I, but you I know, know what you mean. It is. It's, it's one of, yeah, one of the. It's, 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 it's. It, it really teaches you all the techniques and settings that you need. So when you start doing other work, you're like, oh, I know how the aperture works. I know how, you know, long exposure works. I know how to manage my ISO better, my white balance, all those things. So I I decided to do that, and it was the first summer. Actually, no. Yeah, yeah, it was the first summer. Um before COVID hit that I was like, oh, I'm going to try out my camera and I'm going to try astrophotography. And I went out there and it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Like the photos that I got <laughs> were abysmal. Nothing, nothing was in focus. I even, I'm pretty sure I even posted the photo. I was like, this is the Milky Way. And I'm like, looking back, I'm like, no, that's <laughs> that's just a star. Like, no, sir, this is a Wendy's, okay? Like, seriously. Um, it was so bad. And then the following summer, which was COVID, that's when I got the correct lens. Because um, you do need, like, you know, a wide angle. I was using a kit lens. Let's, let's start there. I was using a kit lens for my first time at Astro, which if you know how to work the settings, you can get away with it. But if you're just starting... Lord help you. Um, but I finally had the the right lens the second year, and I started taking just one shot and done, you know? 
you set up your, your tripod, you take a 20 to 25 second shot, depending on your, your focal length, do the math there, and then edit that photo. And I was content with that. You can get some crazy photos from that. And then it wasn't until last summer that with the help of one of my friends, his name is Josh, uh, he helped guide me through how to do stacking. So I'd started then taking anywhere between 50 and 80 photos of the Milky Way and then stacking them through the computer. And what that essentially just ended up doing was uh, denoising the photo. And then I am able to play more around with the contrast, the color, bring out the, you know, the dark spots of the Milky Way more, make it stand out more. And it's just a cleaner look for, for a Milky Way. Um, and I still am at beginner level for astrophotographer. Um, like my friend Josh, he uses a star tracker and I, I, I watched him several times set that damn thing up and I still have no idea how it works. <laughs> I have no, he puts that thing on the tripod. He's like, well, now you have to like scientifically set it up and you have to aim it at this specific star and then you have to click start and then it starts move. I'm like, enough. No, let me stick to my tripod. I'm okay. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what to mess with all that. Eventually, I, I would like to really dive into it, but for now, I'm, I, this year, I really want to do more stacks and, and just get more Milky Way done. Cause I will say that my last year Astro, uh, I didn't do as much as I would have liked. I kind of, you know, slept on it a little bit, but this coming up here, it's game on. And I guess sounds like since you say you've only done it three times or so, looks like I'll be making my way up to Yosemite and Sequoia to get some Milky Way shots out there. Let's go, bro. Dude, that is awesome. Did you say, did you say stacking 50, 5 zero to 80 photos? 50 to 80, yeah. That's a beast of a file. I just, it's, it's there and it's all raw files. So you can imagine. No, I know. That's a beast um, of a file, bro. It's, it's, I think you can get away with less, but I overcompensate and I just want to make sure in case something goes wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I learned a lot. And on top of this, you have to get your dark frames in. Cause yeah, those dark yeah, frames yeah, yeah. really, really help with bringing out that punch in the Milky Way. Uh, makes sense but yeah you know, I mean coming up it's it's the Milky Way season's coming up so I'll be yeah, diving right back into it you know you said that you shot on a kit lens for your first yeah. uh, Milky Way I did too in Death Valley and dude I did it in the winter so it's not Milky Way season in the winter and right. fortunately there was no moon out so I was still able to see the Milky Way pretty good and I think the f-stop right the f-stop on my kit lens was like 3.5, I think. And which kit lens did you have? Do you remember? Uh, the 18 to 135 Sony kit lens for oh, okay. my 863. And it's oh, yeah. You see, I have the uh, this is the 16 to 50 for this A6000. What was the f-stop on that one? 3.5, <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, so 3.5, yeah. And I don't know, man. I mean, I, I was able to get some Milky Way shots. They were a little bit noisy. Oh, you for sure. Yeah, you for sure can get it 
at 3.5 with a longer exposure and a higher ISO. But with Sony, we have that advantage of Sony being such a beast at, at uh, nighttime, right? But low light situations. But you, if you were to take that 3.5 kit lens and stack 100 photos of it, oof, that would be crisp. That would be clean. That's, a, that's good to know, man. I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna try that out this year. Give it a shot. Um, like I've tried. So I have the Tamron uh, 16 to 28. This is what started me with most of my Astro, and I was like, this is great. And then I used the 21.8 Beast. If you're looking for a Astro or a wide angle lens, this is your guy. And then, of course, the 35 is is you my go to right now. Um, now imagine shooting Astro with this guy. <laughs> that would be killer. So. My question to you, yes. what is your favorite photo or your fondest yeah. memory of a photo? I know like sometimes it may be too hard to like have a favorite photo. So what's, what's a, what's a photo that like oh, just best memory? My favorite photo, my favorite photo period has to be probably Mount Tam in San Francisco. Ooh above the clouds watching yep. those uh watching those clouds roll in um we we showed up and it was such a funny story so we we showed up we went up to mount tam the clouds were thick like they were rolling there's photographers out there and you know we're just hanging out chilling we were getting pretty decent long exposure shots of the clouds and all of a sudden the sunset just pops off. The color came in. The skies turned orange and pink. It was it was it was crazy. And one of the guys next to me, he uh, he actually runs one of the uh, San Francisco accounts. Um, they have like an app up there that they use, like photographers use to check on weather and stuff. Uh -huh. So he runs that. I forget the name of it. It's like Ice Stream something. I don't know. Um, but he he was telling us, he's like, literally, we came at the right time because they haven't had a sunset plus the clouds in, like, over a year and a half. And what? I was like, wow. Like, we got so lucky. So that, that photo is literally one of my favorite shots that I have. It's a cool memory. Uh, but I think memory-wise, like, a fond memory that I have, a photo that I remember just taking and it just lives in my head rent-free, uh, probably my first successful Astro shot. It's pretty uh, successful it was Astro shot. out in Anza Borrego. Yeah, it was out in Anza Borrego. Uh, it was of the statue of the serpent. I got the head of the serpent with the Milky Way right next to it. And that was my first successful shot. And I was like, wow. Like, oh. I've been, this has been a year and a half in the making, and I finally did it. So that, that would be my fondest memory shot. That's so nice, bro. I've been to Mount Tam and mm -hmm. just the bay, man. The bay is just the fog goes crazy over there. Dude, it, it's insane up there. And I've never been to Anza Barago. I've literally made multiple plans to go down there. But for some reason, 
never works out. And it looks like a super cool place to photograph. Like the it's, desert it's a area. Place. Yeah, it's neat. There's there's a lot of cool canyons that you can go into. Sons Point is great, but oh, I, yeah. you would need, uh, you know, all wheel or four wheel drive car with high clearance for a lot of the places out there. Quite literally, Anza Borrego is, especially because Ocotillo Wells is right next to it. It is literally a off wheel, off road car playground. Like they literally wow. have playgrounds set for jeeps and stuff to, to roll over hills and ride on the side of the mountains. Like they have all that stuff out there. That sounds pretty cool. I I drive a little Civic, so when I need four wheel drive, um, I ask my girlfriend Lorelai. We take her car. She's got a Jeep Liberty, so it has four wheel drive and all that. Yeah. But when I ride solo, sometimes I take my little Honda into some places. Okay. It should never go, well, man. That, I mean. It's 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 so funny. Like you see, we see my little <laughs> Honda out there on the dirt road. People look at me like crazy with their jeeps and trucks, and I'm like, "Hey, man, I want to get out here too." And yeah, they're like, cool. "Why the hell are you out here? <laughs> you're gonna pop, you're gonna pop a tire, and I'm not bringing you out." <laughs> but oh, no, man. I, no, I've taken my place, my car, to some risky spots, but it's it's been through a lot and it's made it. But eventually, I do want to get something with four wheel drive and high clearance. At some point, maybe uh-huh. a van or maybe even a Tacoma or Highlander. Four, Forerunners are yeah, pretty good. Yeah, Tacoma. Yeah. Ooh, Forerunners on my, that's my go-to. Like, that's what I want. Right now, I have a a RAV4, which that baby has gotten me through some some fun stuff. But uh, gets the job done, though. Forerunners definitely good on about my it. list. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I mean, it, it has gotten me through some crazy situations. Like, Thick snow and sand, and I mean, it's compact too, huh? It's like not it's a nice too car. big of a car. It's like not Correct. crazy big either. That's the other thing. It's not that it's it's not crazy big, but I I do I would like a little more room in case I want to you know sleep in the back of the car or something like right. that. So do you do you go camping on these trips or are you staying in hotels? I'm all over the place. Uh, it depends on who I'm going with. You know, I have my friends that are, like, down to just pitch a tent anywhere and camp. Then I have my friends who are a little more bougie. They're like, no, excuse me, I need room service. <laughs> so it, it, all, it, it all it all depends on who I go out with. Um, but, you know, Airbnbs, if they're not too expensive, I have no problem booking them. Um, like, you know, I went to Hanksville, Utah, and it was like, I took like seventy or eighty dollars a night there, and I was like, "Oh, this this is doable." That's not like, bad at all. That I can do, but I don't want to go to like Salt Lake and spend two hundred dollars on an Airbnb. Like, no, I'd rather find open land that I can camp in or sleep out of my car. You're right. So, I normally budget travel just because that's what's the budget, and I try to find free camping. I know, like. A lot of other people are going that route now. I know when I was in Utah, though, so I was in... I don't know if you've been to the Kanab area. Where, like, it's right above Horseshoe Bend. So Horseshoe Bend's in Arizona, then Kanab is in Utah at the southern border. It's by the yep. Coral Pink Sand Dunes. So Ooh, over yes. there... Yes, so over there, 
I don't know. I, I couldn't find a campsite. I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable with the free campsites that were there. So I was like, all right, I'm going to book a hotel. Like, I never do this, but let's see what they got. And the hotel I found, it was like, it was decent. And it was like you said, it was only 70 bucks. And I was like, well, shoot, I'm going to stay in the hotel then if I can't find a campsite. And that's what I did. Yeah. And yeah. you just have to know where to find No, I mean, look. campsites, exactly. Do you have that app? Uh, is it the iOverlander app? Yeah, yeah, I have like four four different ones. I have iOverlander. Yeah. I have Camp, Camp Medium, freecamping.net. Yeah. And there's like one more, but I don't remember it. But, and then I know you can use the BLM land, the BLM maps, but those apps are probably the best. Yep. iOverlander, Camp Medium, freecamping.net. Because mm-hmm. they already make it all for you. Right. But, um, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I usually use, especially when I was with that camper van. I was just using that iOverlander app and finding spots to camp. So, one of my last questions for you, what is your advice for someone who wants to take more photos or picking up their first camera, or maybe they haven't picked, they haven't got a camera yet, they're thinking about it? What's your advice to them? Uh, step one, get a camera. Uh, but once you have that camera, go out and shoot. Every chance you get, shoot. Um, don't go out and shoot and then put the camera down for two weeks and then go out again because you're not going to be able to fulfill yourself with what you want out of it. Um, you know, shoot every day if possible and it doesn't matter what you shoot. Just go out there, get it done, come back, review your photos and I guarantee you will find two or three photos out of that batch that you like, edit and do whatever you want with them. Um, but just make sure you're shooting all the time. And it, it's it's really the only way to grow because as you shoot, you start to learn your mistakes. And when you start to learn your mistakes, you adjust them, you get better as a photographer. And that's, and that's also just the first half. Have fun editing your photos. Um, Something that I tell a lot of people that reach out to me about how I edit my photos or how to edit photos when you first start off is go ahead and buy yourself presets. It's find your favorite photographer that, you know, has millions of followers or that has a website where you can purchase presets and buy those presets, add it into your Lightroom, attach them to your photo and edit backwards so you learn how they did it. Because once you attach that preset, you can see exactly what settings they they put on and work backwards and figure out, okay, this is what they set their contrast to. This is what they set their shadows, their blacks, their whites, and just learn all those things. Um, and then... From there, you can learn and you can continue using the presets. But then instead of, you know, not all presets are like you slap and slap it on and they're done because that will really mess up your photo. But work with them. Slap on the preset, change the contrast, change the colors, say change the lighting, mess around with, um, what's it called? The shadows and stuff until you're happy with it. Don't be afraid. And don't listen to the people like, oh, don't use presets. You should just edit. 
from scratch. You can, but you're if you're starting off, it's a lot harder to do that. For me now, since I know how I edit and I know what my styles are, I'll throw my photo in there and I'll instantly know where I want my shadows, where I want my whites, where I want my blacks. Instantly. But that's because that the way that I learned was through presets. And 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 that's it's usually the route that I tell people to go just to learn. So I yeah, created just, just get out I've there shoot my, and you're right. I'm sorry. Go. Yeah, I was gonna say I've created my own presets, like of my own editing style, just so I don't have to like yeah. take the time to keep editing it the same way. I just slap it on, then I go from there. Because yeah. it's exactly. I mean, like going back it's such to a doing smart my own way. edit over and over again. So I made the preset, right. especially. Click. Yep, especially since we're going back and forth to a lot of the same places. So, like you know, for example, if you're going to Sequoia, you could make ten presets that say Sequoia one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So then you know that when you go to Sequoia and you take photos of the the stuff, you're like, oh, I'm just going to slap on a Sequoia preset on here because Bro. I already know that yeah. these are the ones that I like. So yeah. I mean it. Yeah. it it's just all about the flow of, of of how you do things. You're thinking long term right there, bro. I just have one preset. I stopped on all of them. I, I'm actually going to do what you just said right now and do yeah, that many presets I mean, for, for each me, location, dude. You should. That's genius. I mean, and, and I do that. I do that for mine because I go to the different areas. So, like, I'll have a sunset preset. I'll have a midday preset. I have, you know, sunrise preset. I have beach presets. I have... Alabama Hills preset. Like, I, I have a preset for pretty much everything. Uh, when I go to a place once, I get a photo that I think is pretty generic. I edit it, and then I save those presets. That way, when I do go back to that location, I can just use that preset and see how it looks and work and add or take off what I need. It just makes the workflow much easier. Okay, so for those of you listening, and you don't have your own presets of... Where you, what your editing style? Go ahead and go do that. Of the all the locations you've been to and the places you frequent, do it because I'm gonna do it. JP Ramsey right here. This guy is spinning some knowledge. Take note, JP. I appreciate you coming on here and talking with me. This podcast course, is about for me is for connecting with other creatives, outdoor enthusiasts people who just like being outdoors doesn't matter what it is photographer videographer mountaineer hiker van lifer or someone who just likes to take walks by the beach and kind of like on these little trails you know it doesn't matter and i want them to share their experiences on this platform whether they're in the creative field working or they're just mountaineers so they can share their knowledge with the people listening so we can learn different perspectives about the way they do things. Like today, we talked about you doing your presets this way. You talked about astrophotography. I even learned things from this. So the whole point about this is just connecting with others, giving them a platform to share their own experience, talk about what they're doing. And it was uh, it's a blast talking to you. Where can the people find you on social media? Uh, so mostly on IG, my Instagram handle is JP Ramsey Photos. Uh, it's J P R A M Z Y F O T O S. Um, 
And that's where I post most of my work, you know. Uh, and feel free to reach out. You know, let me know. Hey, I saw like saw you on the podcast on the Nick Ham podcast, and you know, I have a couple questions. I'm be more than happy to help guide you. Um, you know, like I said earlier, one a piece of advice is don't be shy, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Ask the questions. Reach out to that uh, photographer that you look up to. Uh, tell them that you know their work influences you. Trust me, it goes a long way. And it opens up that door for you to talk to them and learn a thing or two, you know, and it could also just make a good friend out of it. Even if it's not photography related, just do it, reach out and make new friends. Some of my friends aren't even photographers. Like I met through this social media app, but they're just hikers and they just post about their hikes. And I I sometimes invite them to go with me on the hikes on the longer ones because I know they'll actually go bear the brand with those ones because not all right. photographers are into like what I do, getting out there at two AM, hiking ten miles in the dark, whatever it is. So sometimes I invite the hikers to go with me because they're kinda crazy too. Hikers are kinda crazy. And hikers are start... crazy. Hikers <laughs> are insane. <laughs> I dude, you you guys are a different breed. I don't understand y'all at all. Like I was like I have a, a hiker friend. And she dragged me out to do a what was supposed to be an eleven mile hike, and it turned into a nineteen mile hike. <laughs> and I, I almost, I, I quite literally almost died. I ran out of water. It was over a hundred oh, degrees. No. I, I literally, I, we had to stop. And I was like, dude, like I need, I need a break. And she's like, all right, fine. And I was like, give me five minutes to just like take a breather here. And then we'll continue. And it was relatively flat. Like it wasn't any hills. It was just heat exhaustion. Yeah. So I laid down and I was like, give me a five minute break. And I kid you not, I closed my eyes and I felt like it was 30 seconds and she's waking me up. And she's like, we got to go. And I'm like, dude, it's only been like 30 seconds. She's like, no, you've been out for 15 minutes. I was like, oh no. Like I literally <laughs> felt like it was a half a minute. But I've been, I knocked out for 15. That's when I knew I had to keep going. So I got up, I kept walking, finally made it to the last stretch on these rural tracks. And I walked so straight, like I didn't notice anything. I had tunnel vision at that point. Like I was just like headed right to the car. We got to the car because I had told her to walk ahead of me. And I got to the car, I chucked down this whole thing of water. And she's like, hey, did that family say anything to you? And I'm like, what family? She's like, you literally walked and split in between two families. <laughs> and I was like, I had, I saw no one else out on those tracks. What do you mean? So apparently there was like a family walking, all of them in a straight line, and I walked between them. Like I made them walk separate, and I walked right in between them. And I was like, I saw nobody. Like I do not recall any of that whatsoever. So she damn near killed me, and that's a story that will live forever in my head, and... That's why I will never trust all trails because they said it was 11 miles and it turned out to be 19 miles. So I am suing all trails. All trails, if you're watching this, I'm coming for you. <laughs> Bro, if you're not if you're not hiking that many miles on a regular basis, that is brutal. It's uh, brutal. It was brutal. I you can't just pick up and, and just do that kind of mileage. Mile I mean, yeah. Yeah. 
in like I prepared for eleven miles and uh, it surprised me and said twenty and I was like, Are you kidding me right now? It, yeah, it's also Stop. the mental aspect too, and like preparing for that. So like tomorrow yeah, uh, you you guys are different breeds. I'm starting my hike tomorrow at Yeah, 2 I saw that. Two AM. I think two or three. I have to I have to, I have to calculate how long it'll take me to get to the sunrise spot. But it's in Yosemite, snowshoeing in the dark in the woods. Um I have to leave I think I have to leave my See, house that's around like I mean, I think I have to leave my house around midnight or one o'clock in the morning. I don't know. We'll figure out I'm gonna figure it out in like after this call. But it's gonna be fun. I mean, I like the sunrise and I like to work from it. I like to get those crazy adventure photos. But like yeah. sometimes I don't always realize how crazy like the things I do because like to me it's normal but right I do in the 100 sunrise thing I mean yeah so it's... that was so cool though the fact that you completed the 100 sunrise thing that was awesome so I mean that that is so cool that you you even held yourself accountable by posting about it all the time and not letting yourself fall through with it especially since your followers were all watching it uh, so that was quite the accomplishment, so that's awesome that you did that. But also, what's more astonishing is the fact that you're in a snowshoe in mid, like in the middle of the night slash morning. You're probably going to have to fight off about three or four bears, yeah. um, you know, and it, it's climb up God knows where to a sunrise spot. You're going to leave a trail of dead bears because you're going to fight them all and defeat them. It's absolutely insane. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Why? That's why I like that's why I like winter hiking because bears aren't awake as much in the middle of the night. Uh, okay. Oh, you got that and, cheat code. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Summertime. Summertime. I'm probably gonna be hiding behind somebody else, which is usually my girlfriend. You know but, what? I'm sure girlfriends usually are the tougher ones, man. Let dude, me tell you. <laughs> she is tough. She's tough, man. But JP, I appreciate you have having you on here. Of course, man. Uh, it was a blast. You guys, Thanks for having me. For those of you who are listening, if you're not following the podcast, it's at the Nick Ant Podcast on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube. If you want to follow me, it's it's at the Nick Amp. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. You can find me everywhere. And I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs>